What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And good morning, Birds fans. Our first true in-season edition of 2022 on Birds 365. Get used to this look because uh, Johnny Mac is uh, pulling dual roles today. He'll sit in with yours truly and my buddy Rick Saratella, who's going to take the co-host position this morning. How are you, Mr. Saratella? What's happening, guys? Good to have good you to along, see you, Rick. Rick. Thank you much. Uh, and Johnny Mac. Sitting in a guest chair today, we'll pick his brain for half an hour before he has the exit stage left, and go hear from Nick Sirianni and catch some grass time with the Eagles on their first practice of the year. J-Mac, prior to getting it underway and actually getting in some practice reps today, the Philadelphia Eagles, who we praised all offseason about the fact that they made no changes on their coaching staff, they came back en masse, which just never happens in the NFL, Well, they made some changes, not personnel changes, but title changes and responsibility changes. What do you read into the new 
Eagles coaching staff as far as what they're expected to do this year? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of strange, the timing of when they made it official. Nick had already told us in the spring there were certain changes. Alex Tanney was going to be promoted. Uh, you know, people might remember him as a former NFL quarterback. I always say, you know, watching him in drills, he might have the best arm on the team still. Uh, really young guy, Tyler Scudder, who was uh, Nick's assistant. He had mentioned he was going to get a bump up, but the Eagles made it official at the start of camp. The The biggest one, though, is Jeremiah Washburn, and that's one Hassan Reddick let us in on um, in the spring. And kind of, I think by mistake, I was the one who asked him the question. Because we're all asking him some sort of scheme questions like, I can't get into that. You know that, which is typical for a player. And then I said, well, I'm going to ask you anyway. And I said, what's a day for Hassan Reddick like? Like, are you with Tracy Rocker with the defensive line? Are you with Nick Rollis with, with the linebackers? Because he's sort of a hybrid edge rusher, uh, uh, linebacker, off-ball linebacker. And he said, no, I'm with Jeremiah Washburn. And all the Sam linebackers and defensive ends are with Jeremiah Washburn. And we were like, oh, all right, that's a change. And then Jonathan Gannon admitted it as well. So you see the C-chip for what the Eagles want to do. And a lot of that has to do and relates to Jordan Davis and their ability to play more of those multiple fronts, whether it's going to be odd man fronts, you're going to see five, two overhangs, as Jonathan Gannon says, you're going to see some three, four looks traditional. Uh, You're going to see some four, three as well. So I know a lot of Eagles fans get caught up in those old tropes. They don't matter anymore. Uh, They really don't because what they're trying to do is play a big Fangio defense, um, Probably a better definition would be Brandon Staley, uh, who who took his philosophy from Vic Fangio. And then Jonathan, those two are very close. Um, Jonathan Gannon, Brandon Staley. That's what the Eagles are going to try to do. We're going to see how it shakes out, but they're going to hide that until week one, man. They are obsessed. They think they have an advantage when people don't know what they're doing. And then you go back to last year with the Atlanta Falcons. They look so good in week one. So they were like, yeah, we were right. They didn't know what we were doing. Now, I think the ensuing six weeks, guys, proved that the Falcons were just a bad football team that was poorly prepared with a rookie coach. They ended up starting two and five. So I don't I don't think they fooled people as much as just had a nice spot to begin the season. But the Eagles think they have an advantage, so they're going to play coy. Uh, but that's what's going on. And, and and the best indication of that is the shift in the coaching staff. Jeremiah Washburn coaching the defensive end outside, outside linebackers. It's interesting because I think they can get real creative on that defensive front there, uh, John. I mean, I remember back in the day, the Giants had a similar kind of defensive front where they, they ran a NASCAR package and, you know, uh, they would they would kick one of their pass rushers to the interior. Could you see the Eagles employing, you know, having Reddick kind of creep up, maybe five down linemen, a Brandon Graham or a Derek Barnett maybe kicks inside along with a Jordan Davis and a Fletcher Cox. And now they're just going all out blitz. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to blitz a lot. Uh, Rick, and that's going to upset Eagles fans. They don't want to blitz a lot. I'll say that. They don't want to. They want to be able to get home 
uh, with with their four rushers, and they weren't able to do that as much as as they would have liked last year. And then you have to blitz a little bit more. But if they have their druthers, they don't want to blitz much. Um, now, for years, when Jim Schwartz was here, they would kick Brandon inside with that, as you were saying, that NASCAR-type package and try to take advantage in, in, in key pass rushing situations. I think it's going to be more that overhang look with, with as I said, with Hassan Reddick and, and, and Josh Sweat would be the main two guys. The most interesting part to me is what's the interior going to look like? Besides, you know... You know, early downs, Jordan Davis is going to be in the middle. You know that. Who's playing next to him in that four-eye sort of technique? Could be five, could be, you know, uh, they could do a little bit tweaking from there. They have a lot of options because of the depth. You could you could put Davis, Cox, Hargrave on the field at the same time. You could put Brandon in there if you want to go a little bit lighter, get a little bit more of a pass rush. You can put Derek Barnett out there. I know Jody Mack's not going to like that, but you can use that as well. Milton Williams, you know, how do you, how do you get Milton Williams on the field? You know, maybe he plays a little bit more five. Uh, so they have a lot of depth. To me, the most interesting part is who's going to play on the interior in those five-man looks the most in pass rushing situations versus run situations. But Reddick, I mean – Look, they're not paying a $15 million to play off-ball linebacker. He's going after the quarterback. He's going to he's gonna be, I mentioned Fangio, Khalil Mack. He's good. That's his role. That's his role. Now, think about what Brandon Staley did this offseason. Who did the Chargers go get? Khalil Mack. Uh, you know, that's – a really, I'm, I'm not sure Reddick's that high level of a player. I don't, there aren't many. That's not an insult to Reddick, but that's the type of role he's going to have with this team. Uh, John Owen, thank you for reminding me on how adept the Eagles were at hiding what they were going to do going into week one last year, and that being the reason that they smoked the Atlanta Falcons. I think Unfo- that. <laughs> that's, I'm glad the Eagles think that because it's going to work the exact same way again this year when they smoke the Detroit Lions. But unfortunately, they're going to have to play game two, game three, game four, game five, and we might just look back and go, oh, the Lions stink kind of like the Falcons did. So uh, I would not be surprised if this year starts the same exact way, should, which Eagle fans should be good with, because it means an easy victory opening week. Uh, Eagles also made some roster moves yesterday, John. Will any of the players added or subtracted be guys who will be there week one for that big kick-ass win over the Detroit Lions in Motown? Um, I doubt it. You know, I mean – they brought in Kobe Smith and I was like, wow, why'd they sign another defensive tackle? Um, and, and he was in Tampa Bay for a little bit and, and Tennessee before that. And then it comes out that Noah Elise, and there's a guy who I thought, yeah, maybe I didn't have him on my 53, but I was like, well, he's going to make the practice squad because they need a big backup for Jordan Davis but he's injured and all of a sudden he gets waved injured. That was part of his problem in college as well. Um, So, you know, that's a little bit of a disappointment, I would think, because that's an undrafted player. You always look at undrafted players and say, all right, he's got a chance to surprise. And I thought he was one of the guys 
and Rick could probably talk about him better than me with his experience with the draft. But he was one of those guys who I thought he's probably going to be here, probably going to be on the practice squad. And all of a sudden he doesn't even make it to day one of training camp. So that part's a little disappointing. Then they signed a, a tight end. I don't even know if it's official yet, but his agent confirmed it. Um, and that's a uh, uh, Jaden Graham who's been in with the Falcons for three or four years as, as sort of a deep reserve. We know we've been talking about Jody, you and I've been talking about, they need a backup to, to Dallas Goddard badly. And, and you can't just count on Grant Calcaterra and assume, well, he's going to be fine as a six round pick. So I guess bringing in somebody with experience isn't going to help, but you know, we're talking 89th, 90th spot on the roster odds are against all these guys. Yeah, you mentioned Grant Calcaterra, who, you know, really at one point was a very high-ceiling prospect coming out. Uh, he finished up at SMU, started off at Oklahoma. The downside there, he had a series, I think, three concussions yeah. on record. So, you know, not the most durable guy there. Uh, the kid from Yale, I mean, he he's a lunch lunch pail kind of player, and, and he'll raise the level of intensity there, which is another question that I had for you. It's got to be maybe, a smart guy, Rick, at least. At yeah, of course. And, yeah. and and I thought I saw the Eagles are at 89 roster spots. I don't know if they're at 90. Yeah, I think they 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 waived Josh Hammond. Uh, and they have Matt Leo, who gets a, uh, a, a an international pathway exemption. So they have an extra spot. So, yeah, they, they'll probably sign somebody before. Um, yeah, the international pathway there. program is cool because that doesn't count against the 90 man. And so he's a developmental guy. But what I wanted to ask you, cause I know you're down on location today. I have not been to a Nick Sariani ran practice, you know, due to COVID over the last year or two and hallelujah, there's no COVID protocol, uh, finger crossed uh, for this training camp. So far, yeah. Yeah. So, but I remember, you know, uh, vividly Doug Peterson, running a very intense practice. And, you know, I, I remember seeing about seven or eight uh, training camps in the Northeast. And the only, t the only other team that came close to the hitting intensity was the New England Patriots. And it kind of stood out to me. Deuce Staley, who's now with the Lions, really was, was the conductor of that train in terms of uh, driving that kind of intensity. I'm curious, what, what is a Nick Sariani uh, training camp atmosphere like? Um, it's a lot quicker. I, I would compare it more like a Chip Kelly practice than a Doug Peterson practice. A um, lot quicker, lot, lot no wasted movement. Um, um, you know, they're going to teach inside rather than outside for the most part. In other words, you know, if somebody um, makes a mistake, they're not going to stop and talk for 10 minutes. They're going to run the next play and then do it in film work. Um, very short, as Jody knows, don't blink. It's going to be over, Rick. Um, I think that's more of an organizational decision than a Nick Sirianni decision. Um, so it's a little bit faster paced, less physical, more of a modern practice, I would call it. You're, you're right. I think Doug was as old school as you can get. I mean, hardball, probably more so. Belichick, as you mentioned, probably more so. Um, and then maybe Doug was third on that list. Um, so 
a lot less physical, um, quicker though, I would say. JM, uh, do me a favor, and I should know this, but uh, you can uh, tighten up the de definition for me. Uh, the Ellis release, non-football-related injury designation. So he goes on waivers, so if anybody wants to claim him, they can claim him. The Eagles lose him, but if he passes through waivers and nobody grabs him, they can keep him on the roster they can bring him back and, and hold him out as uh, what does he become? Just an injured player, a pup player. How does the, um, basically he, he, he reverts back to the Eagles on injured reserve. Um, so from that standpoint, his season would be over. Now the difference is um, when you do that, you usually just find some time to work out an injury settlement Um and then, you know, you give the guy a couple bucks and he's got to sit out, I forget the exact number, seven, eight weeks, uh, and then he can sign with somebody else. A couple more weeks and he can sign back with Philadelphia. Um, so once they work out an injury settlement, um, you know, the clock will start and he'll be free to go somewhere else. But the non-football injury part of it is um, he got hurt away from the facility, basically away from doing this work for the Eagles. So it might be in the weight room, might be something of that nature. It might've been running, made a strained his hamstring and they knew he was going to be out for three, four weeks. And, you know, they need bodies for practice. And um, so that's sort of the injury designation, uh, non-football injury. So he'll revert back to the Eagles, assuming nobody picks him up on waivers, which is probably, going to happen then they'll work out an injury settlement from there yeah and i think you know he technically the eagles could view it as a red shirt season right and just kind yeah. of smash him for the year yeah. and then they could keep on an injury reserve the entire year because yeah. we really don't know the future of fletcher cox and javon hargrave and what next season could look like so uh, again, a two-down thumper kind of in the mold of Jordan Davis at this stage of his career, but his brother is on the team. There's some family ties there. And so maybe he just redshirts, absorbs the uh, defensive playbook and and gets ready for next season. And, you know, we, we talk about Jonathan Gannon. He, you know, the Eagles, the way this defense is trending, there's some talk he might not be around. I think he had about three head coaching uh, interviews this past yeah. offseason. So, three different teams, yeah. Yeah, so to me, like the continuity, as 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 uh, MacMan alluded to, I think that's one of the underlining uh, advantages that the Eagles do have. Because not too often do you get to retain that coaching staff. And and kudos to Sariana. You mentioned uh, the guys that they all promoted from within. And Alex Tanney's a guy right down the road from from Monmouth. I mean, he hung out almost a decade in the league. It's hard to imagine. But, I mean, he knows the NFC East. He was with the Cowboys. He was with the Giants. And I think, you know, that's going to benefit Jalen Hurts immensely because <laughs> there's so much Jalen Hurts talk. Here we go. I mean, 20 minutes into the show, we didn't say the name yet. But to me. Yeah. Well, that's he, a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, to me, I mean, I think he, it's to he's got to slow down the game, not think so much so that he can process his decision-making quicker. And I think – you know, being in the same offense again is going to work wonders for his development. Yeah, and Brian Johnson is another one of those guys that might not be here after the season. He already got um, – I think it was it was either Green Bay or Chicago. 
I think he was Green Bay, got an interview in Green Bay. Uh, I think Kevin Petullo got an interview in Chicago uh, before they went in other directions for offensive coordinator. So, you know, if, if you think you're going to lose your quarterback's coach, all of a sudden you have Alex Tanney who's played in the league, as you mentioned, Rick. Uh, very young guy, so he can relate to, to modern players. Um, just smart decision to keep those guys in the pipeline, keep moving them up. Um, and voila, you might have a ready-made quarterback coach and you might not have to worry about it. John, you uh, already told us that the Eagles like to keep certain things under wraps. They believe there's a competitive advantage to be had there. You have no idea, Jody. I, like the CIA down there. I, I understand that. And you put it uh, front and center for us as best you can with, with little information you're able to get your hands on. It's more than anybody else, but uh, that's the way the Eagles think it's best to do business. Well, but they've got to be able to get some practice in and show something while you guys have grass time. And one of the most interesting things to me will be Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. His buddy, his pal, showed sartorial support yesterday wearing a Hurts hat while checking into the Eagle facilities, did A.J. Brown. Um, Are they going to go back after they're done practicing and uh, just run routes between each other for another two hours thereafter. How do you not see? How can you keep that under wraps? It's going to be as big an aspect of Eagle offense as there is all year. Um, A.J. Brown and Hertz. Uh, is that the thing that you will try and zoom in on most when you're down at practice today? No, because I know I know what, you know, Nick Sirianni used the phrase with, with A.J. Brown. There's no projection there. I kind of agree with that. Like, I know what A.J. Brown is. I've seen him in this league. Uh, He's a really good player. That's not going to change. He and and Jalen Hurts are very close off the field. They work out together. They're going to have that chemistry. That's not a problem. As Rick brought up and said, we haven't brought up the quarterback in 20 minutes. Well, here we are. can Jalen hold it, his, carry his own water as far as getting the football to A.J. Brown? That's what I don't know. I know A.J. Brown's a good receiver. Um, I know Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, but he's a unique. I always use that term. He's a unique quarterback. He makes plays off schedule. He makes plays out of the framework of the offense. Is he going to be able to get the football over the middle to A.J. Brown on third and seven? A.J. Brown's going to be there. He's going to be open. He's going to give you that big body. He's going to give you that big target. Can he consistently deliver the football? So it's more of, you know, and that's the good thing about bringing in A.J. Brown because the Eagles have struggled at wide receiver for so long. And, again, I go back to Nick. There's no projection there, none. You know what he is. Um, and that's a good thing. That's a very good thing for this team. Yeah, huge offseason piece added there. Sticking to the quarterback, we do have somewhat maybe of a quarterback controversy, and and that would be the third-string quarterback because Reed Sinet has looked good uh, in in brief action backup duty, and Carson Strong, uh, who I think got the largest undrafted rookie uh, signing bonus, is also in camp, and he has another one with a medical – uh, history, but the talent and the upside is there. They have arguably one of the best backups in Gardner Menchu. 
uh, not too many NFL teams these days keeping three quarterbacks on the roster, but it looks like the, the Eagles might be doing that. Yeah, they might have to. A lot of that, you know, Carson Strong's going to get plenty of opportunities to play in the preseason uh, if he's healthy, as you mentioned, Rick. And he's got some serious concerns from a degenerative standpoint um, with that knee. And to be honest, and again, I'll lean on your draft knowledge. I was surprised how honest he was about it. And so you're talking about top 75 arm talent from a draft perspective at worst with Carson Strong. I mean, if he has no issue with that knee, at worst, he's a early third round pick at worst. And he's probably, you know, easily a second round pick might even be a bridge pick. That's how much arm talent he has. So um, he's going to beat out Reed Sinet from that perspective. But is he healthy? Um, you know, I, I just got to see him for little snippets at two OTA practices. He doesn't move well, you know. And then you start thinking about this offense and what's it based on with Jalen Hurts. Well, you can't replicate that. But Gardner Minshew is very, you know, very mobile himself in a different way as far as extending plays and doing some of those things. He can at least mimic some of that in the offense. If you got to go to Carson Strong, you're changing the entire offense. I mean, and by the way, maybe, maybe Nick Sirianni would like that, to be honest, because he'd like to have that drop back thrower that's going to, you know, grip it and rip it on third and seven, as I said. So secretly, when the lights go off at night, he might dream of, hey, you know, maybe I can get Justin Herbert someday. But, um, boy, that knee, oof. I mean, when when somebody that talented isn't drafted, uh, there's so that's, a, that's a red flag. I yeah. mean, that's a red flag. Well, we'll see if uh, he even gets a chance. I'm going to make a prediction here. His knee will be fine if he's standing on the sidelines. Johnny Mac, I got to ask about this because we've been talking about it since last season ended here on birds, 365, the Eagles running back position, uh, looking at what they did last year and projecting forward to this year, Jordan Howard, free agent, end of the year. And the Eagles didn't resign him shortly after the year or once camp opened up or during this downtime and vacation. Well, now they're back in camp. Jordan Howard's still not signed by the Eagles. And we kid that, well, basically they can sign him anytime they want because nobody else around the league yeah. seems to want to sign him. He comes back to the birds whenever they have a need. Well, apparently he's uh, going to get a workout for the New Orleans Saints. And the Saints with Alvin Kamara potentially being suspended at some point early on in the season may actually have a spot uh, for a running back in their backfield. Does that move the Eagles to act on uh, Jordan Howard? Do you think they just say, well, we don't have to put him on the roster. We can keep other guys there because we can just go get him whenever we need him. If that's not the case, will they uh, make a call to Jordan Howard? Will he get a workout and or <laughs> a chance to grab a roster spot here because someone else has shown interest? It might help, uh, but I do think the Eagles want to move on. Um, I think it's pretty clear. You know, they think that basically, and I don't necessarily disagree with them, that, you know, you can probably put, as I said, not me, because I don't have any wheels left, but you probably put Rick Saratella behind that offensive line and get, you know, 
three and a half yards. So, you know, why not get younger? Why not get healthier? Um, so I think they're going to look at Kennedy Brooks and Jason Huntley and see, all right, let's see if these guys are ready. They could help you more on special teams as well. Uh, Jordan Howard can't play special teams. Um, so they clearly want to move on. And a big part of that, by the way, is Miles Sanders staying healthy. Like if Miles Sanders ever stays healthy, they don't need Jordan Howard. Um, but, you know, he's been missing four or five games a year the past couple of years. And all of a sudden you need Jordan Howard. So I think their plan is he'll always be there um, if we need him. Uh, but now if somebody else perks up, yeah, that makes it a little bit more of a conversation. But I do think the Eagles want to get younger and, and want to get healthier because Jordan Howard has his own, you know, he's going to run hard. He's going to run physical. And he's the Eagles have proven he's, he's a good fit for their particular offense, even though he doesn't seem to be a fit anywhere else. Um, but he does get hurt you know, cause he's always banging his neck and he's got that issue with the stingers. And, um, so they want to move on, but yeah, if somebody pays attention, they might go, you know what, we better, we better bring Jordan Howard in here, uh, a little bit quicker, especially if they get a look at Kennedy Brooks and, and, and Huntley and they say, all right, these guys aren't ready. So it's kind of dependent, I think on the young backs. Yeah, I know they were sniffing around Jaquan Hardy, too, out of Tiffin and spent some time yeah. with the Cowboys, maybe trying to find that big body back. And really, Kennedy Brooks might be the only candidate. However, you mentioned Jason Huntley, his special teams ability, and a guy who might not be necessarily a big back, but he runs violent now. He's a physical runner, and he can uh, bring bring some value in the return game, which is also, I think, uh, a, a big question mark when you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles is is that return game. And I know Britton Covey is, is another guy to keep an eye on there, undrafted uh, out of Utah. He had, I think, two punt returns and a kick return for touchdown last year. And, you know, kind of moving on to that wide receiver spot, that fifth wide receiver, that doesn't bode well for Jalen Rieger, who I think is, is probably on the hottest seat here in Philadelphia. Yeah, we've been talking about that, Rick. I, I, I don't see the Eagles cutting Jalen Rager, but I do see them wanting to trade Jalen Rager if they could convince somebody to take on the reclamation project. Um, but if they can't trade him, he's going to be here. And that, to me, sort of defines Huntley as a kick returner, Kobe as a punt returner. You know, if he's here, they're going to try to pound that square peg and say, okay, Rager's going to be the returner. Um and then the second part about guys like Kobe and, and Huntley is you got to show something else. I mean, especially as a kick returner. In the modern NFL, you might get two kick returns a game. I think the Eagles average exactly two kick returns a game. That's it. So it's not the old days when even when Cord Cordaro Patterson first came in. I always put, you know, that there's a guy who affected games because teams, Chip Kelly was afraid to kick to him. Uh, during one game where the Eagles lost to, to Minnesota, Minnesota started the 45 yard line every time, whether he touched it or not. Um, that, that doesn't happen anymore because guys just kick it out of the end zone. You don't get an opportunity. And certainly when you don't have a kick returner like that, even if they kick it three yards in, you're just 
Neil and, and take it at the 25. So it's not as important a part of the game, which sucks, by the way. But nonetheless, that's where we are because it's one of the most exciting plays in the game. Um, same punt return. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Turner's a little bit more important, but Kobe, he's got to show something as a receiver. And obviously, from a size perspective, as you know, Rick, he's strictly a slot guy. You can't do anything else. So, um, can he cover kicks? I don't know. But he's going to have to do something somewhere else to to make this roster, uh, you know, than just a punt return. Johnny Mac, last thing, and then uh, we know you got to run to go talk to Coach Nick. Um, when they're not doing special teams drills, does Aaron Sipas stand by himself? Does he pal out with Rick Lovato? <laughs> by uh, the way, yeah. All conversation the, all... with Jake Elliott. How's that work when they're not doing special teams and, drills? And all the specialists are ostracized off to the side. They all spend all their time together, okay. um, all three of them. Um, and that's every training camp. But with Aaron Sipas, I think people forget he was so bad um, down the stretch. He well, was I, really I, good. I, I don't think people forget, Chad. No. <laughs> if they no. look at the Birds 365, they're quite aware of the fact that Aaron Sipas was No, that's, the that's not the, the part they forget. They forget he was really good in the first half of the season. Really good. He was really good. And then he just fell off the table. And I don't know. He's an Australian rules guy. I, I don't know if it was 17 games. He's not used to kicking that much. So if I'm the Eagles, you know, I'm, I'm having Aaron C post. I, I, I didn't bring in a competition, so I'm going to have him on a pitch count. I don't want him kicking all over the place. I, I want to, I want to keep that leg fresh for the second half of the season. Um, or, you know, novel approach you got a roster spot bring in some damn competition yeah why why actually work to get ready for a season you don't really want to practice pitch count baby you don't want to you don't want to punt because you could get tired of punting (laughs) yeah there are no nolan ryan's throwing 238 pitches everybody's Everybody's got to be on a pitch count. Everybody's very delicate. I I know you got a boogie uh Johnny but we talked about the change of the club med atmosphere under Sariani. Uh, also coming out, I, I saw the the training camp practice. The fans are going to have one practice to a time. I mean, training camp that's, is yeah. really. Like I mean, quiet, that's yeah. that's a sham. Yeah. 
Well, uh, yeah, yeah. But the Eagles yeah. are not alone in that. Uh, no. The most that the National Football League has uh, reverted to just having their own little practices and their own little facilities. And yet we're, we're lucky that Johnny, facil- Johnny Mac gets to go hang out and get some insight and some inside information. We'll see what he brings back to us on Birds 365 tomorrow. J-Mac, uh, safe sailing across the Wally Whitman Bridge. Yeah, stay tuned for at jacobsports.com. Big news at 10 o'clock. If you're still on the air, you can tell people what's going to happen, Joe. Uh, okay. But I got to uh, wait till 10 o'clock. You, you, you got uh, specific Philadelphia big sports news. Not necessarily Eagles. But big Eagles are involved. Eagles are involved. Eagles are involved? Yeah. They helped. Sort of, uh, sort they, of kinda. Huh? They helped uh, uh, get this done. Okay. So yeah. they're involved. We know which stadium we're talking about then. All right, yeah. uh, J-Mac, uh, have a good time uh, over practice. We'll get you back on here with us tomorrow. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, John. That is John uh, McMullen running out to go to Eagles practice. Yes, Coach Sirianni talks before, and then the Eagles will actually uh, perform, perform some calisthenics and or uh, do some jumping jacks. We don't know exactly how intense their practice is going to be, but I would bet on light here on day number one. All right, so it's me, Jody Mack, with Rick Saratella. Rick is going to uh, hang with us for the next hour and a half with Johnny Mack going out the door. We'll continue to break down the birds. Rick, he gave you a little insight to some of his things he thinks about the Eagles giving that much more of a chance to do so over the next hour and change here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
We've got the Birds 365 duo today of Jody McDonald and Rick Saratella, who's in for John McMullen. Uh, if you just tuned in, you missed Johnny Mac. He was here uh, in the guest chair for the first half hour and is now in transit over to the Novacare Complex. Eagles get their season truly underway today. I know we had the OTAs during the offseason, but today is the first day of actual live activity in camp with the birds. So Siriano will speak to the media first, and then uh, John will get a chance to watch some of the Eagles working out. And he downplayed this a little bit, Ricky. I'll see if you feel the same. A.J. Brown, as much as I was a huge fan of the Hassan Reddick signing, shoot, I was here on Birds 365 last year trying to convince the Eagles into signing Hassan Reddick because he played just one year in Carolina, was a free agent, and signed on with Carolina's ex-coach Matt Rule for a year, back on the free agent market, and this time the Eagles jumped out and got him done and brought him in uh, to be a uh, advanced pass rusher for them, which they needed after last year. Hassan Reddick could have helped it last year too, but uh, they didn't. And that being said, the biggest addition this offseason is A.J. Brown. And while Nick Sirianni uh, describes it as, well, there's uh, no, what was the phrase that John used? Sam, he just said it. Uh, there's no projection there that you already know how good a uh, wide receiver A.J. Brown is. That's true. But that was in Tennessee. How good a wide receiver is going to be here in the Eagles system with Jalen Hurts? No, they've got a great relationship. But do you think A.J. Brown can put up better numbers with the Eagles than they did with uh, Tennessee. I think it's possible, Jody. I mean, when you take a look at the supporting cast and AJ will be quick to note that he was the Titans greatest receiver of all time. So he's uh, not lacking for confidence, but I think, you know, you know, what he does bring is somebody to kind of deflect that attention off of Jalen hurts, a veteran leadership presence and somebody that, you know, we mentioned Jalen Rieger could probably learn from. And I think when you, when you have to account for, Devonta Smith, when you have to account for uh, whether it's Pascal or, or, or Watkins in the slot, you've got to account for Dallas Goder. I just, I don't think Tennessee uh, had those kind of weapons outside of Derrick Henry. So, you know, technically there, there was a lot of double team coverage. I think if you do that to AJ Brown here in Philly, you're going to get burnt or hurt pretty badly by one of those other guys. He had two straight years of over a thousand yards his first two years in the uh, season and uh, eight touchdowns as a rookie, 11 as a uh, second year player. Last year, missing four games, playing in only 13, he had 63 catches and his uh, yards uh, dropped down under 900 to 869 and only five touchdowns. So his numbers did come backwards. I understand he played less, so you have to factor that in and prorate the stuff is that of any concern uh, for you that that you actually saw you want and I know it's a perfect case scenario but you want a player to get better at his age his experience every single year kind of took a half a step back last year any concern in your eyes not a huge concern I mean I think you got to look and see what happened right so the the playing time maybe wasn't as consistent the quarterback play surely wasn't as consistent I know Ryan Tannehill took a step backwards too and with his play and so I think also you got to factor in once Derrick Henry went down uh that was a one-dimensional team and so they were able to key in on, on AJ Brown so to me when I look at those factors I'm not overly concerned now is he going to be a big play uh threat that's 
stretches the field. No, he's going to be more of that possession guy. So maybe the touchdowns won't be as great as, as some of these other wide receivers are in fantasy. But I think when you talk about is AJ Brown a top 10 wide receiver in the league, I think so. Right. Uh, it kind of plays both ways. Uh, certainly when Henry goes down and Deonta Foreman is trying to replace him. Yeah. Good luck with that. That's not going to happen. Um <laughs> But it should mean that, yeah, they're going to throw the ball more. And in a year where they're probably going to throw it more than they did in previous years, AJ's numbers actually did come backwards. Uh, that does does throw up a, a, a miniature red flag for me. But um, we know that uh, he does have a good relationship with the uh, current quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's probably got as good a running mate. Um, when Davis was there in Tennessee, I would say uh, that would be comparable to what uh, Devonta Smith uh, and uh, A.J. Brown are going to be able to do this year. Do you think the Eagles will have a close to 50-50 split between those two? If you're just looking at the Eagles' top two wide receivers, if you were to guesstimate ahead of time, and you're, of course, factoring in health for both of the two wide receivers, which you don't know if you're going to get, but cross your fingers that you hope that you get, uh, you think they get the uh, same number of targets or is one of the two guys, do you think uh, a guy who uh, hurts will be looking to connect with more? Yeah, I think, I think Brown should see the bulk of the targets. I think he'll get more targets. I don't know if it'll necessarily translate to more yardage though. It might translate to more catches, but I think, you know, Devonte Smith is a guy that breaks off big chunks of yardage uh, at a time. And so Brown might get more targets. Smith might get more yards. But I think at the end of the season, when you tally it all up and you look across the board, catches, yardage, touchdowns, I, I think it should be very similar. Ricky, I know how John feels about this, uh, so I want to get your take as well. Was a surprise to most of us here in Philadelphia when Nick Sirianni said this offseason, and Shane Steichen will be calling the plays just like he did for the second half of last season. They did not advertise that. No one announced that, oh, yes, Nick Sirianni is passing along the play-calling responsibility to his offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. We didn't find out about it until after the season was over and done with, and they still haven't even said exactly when and or why that decision was made. Well, Sirianni talked about why um, he, if you believe him or not, said he felt that he was not uh, keeping a good enough eye on the defense and he wanted to clear himself up to be able to coach the entire roster. McMullen loves that. He really likes CEO coaches. He likes guys who can coach the entire team or not pigeonholed because they're calling plays on one of the two sides of the football. So he is enthused by the fact that this is Sirianni going forward. I know uh, if we didn't know here in town, you didn't know out of town that James Steichen was calling the plays. Is this the best setup for the Eagles? Do you think that what they did last year, and yeah, they had a much better second half than the first half, uh, is going to be as effective going forward this year? Well, if their record is any indication, then I think it is a recipe for success, right? Because they stumbled out of the gates. They were two and five. They adjusted on the fly and, they had a strong second half. And to me, I think it's the smart decision. I, I am uh, in favor of the CEO head coach, especially in today's landscape. I mean, we just talked about the club med atmosphere and managing those, those workloads, those personalities, those egos, those mega contracts. And to me, I think the NFL is more of a CEO head coach position 
than ever because there's so much that entails outside of the X's and O's. And to me, if you're calling plays, listen, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Look, Sean McVay can do it. No problem. Uh, We've seen that. But I, I think that's more of the exception than the normality. And so it's very overwhelming for a young head coach, especially when he first gets put into that position. I don't think they realize how much it entails with everything else outside of the uh, white stripes there. So to me, I think it's a smart decision. I like it. It worked last year. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Oh, by the way, we'll make it public knowledge. But, you know, I look at New England. We don't know who's calling, who's coming, who's going. And, uh, you know, it seems to work out okay. All right, uh, JM, uh, Ricky, I want to get your take on a uh, specific position. And next hour, we'll go a little bit more in depth on where you think the 53 is going to be. Johnny Mac just said that on uh, Jacob Sports, his first version of the 53-man roster uh, for the Eagles. Uh, but I want to get uh, specific uh, position specific with you because we were just talking about A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. They are your number one and number two guy. If they can stay healthy, uh, I think Jalen Hurts' passing yards are absolutely going to go up because Brown is going to be better than whatever alternative they threw out there with Smith last year. Um, But there is always the possibility of injury. You know, they're going to be in three wide receiver sets plenty. Most people think that uh, Watson is going to be the number one guy. Just put him into the mix, and he's going to be their uh, slot guy and or uh, maybe he slides out and one of the two wide guys come into the slot every once in a while. Uh, but between Quez Watkins and um, I'm a Greg Ward fan, I don't think he's going to be a factor this year. I thought he was last year. I think the Eagles tipped their hand with that. Uh, they bring in Zach Pascal, was a guy that Nick Sirianni has talked uh, very glowingly when he had him in Indianapolis. How do you see depth? at the Eagles wide receiving position right now before camp actually gets underway. Depth. uh, When you get to wide receiver four and five, I think it's a lot of question marks, a lot of hard line decisions because this is where uh, draft status can play into decision-making. Cause I'm with you to me, Greg Ward, better player than Jalen Rieger. So, but Jalen Rieger is a first round pick. There's not room on this roster for the both of them. Somebody, he's got to go and to me right now where we stand it looks like ward is on the outside looking in which is a shame because he's he's uh really evolved as a player and and become a pretty uh, capable receiver with some return ability so to me it's really riggers looking at that number five due to his draft status but we mentioned covid Deion kane i know was a guy during the otas that the coaching staff really thought made great strides. Dabo Sweeney spoke very highly of him coming out of Clemson. He's kind of just been uh, on the back burner developing the last couple of seasons. It sounds like he's ready to really have a strong training camp. How does that factor into the equation? So I think it's unknown, but I think we're going to see as training camp unfolds who really like John, John, John Hightower is a guy. I mean, I remember watching this guy at the East West Shrine Bowl he has got some really quick burst, explosiveness, acceleration. He could be a guy that that adds another deep dimension to the offense. So I think that, you know, Jalen Rieger, Devin Allen, I see them guys talking him up in, in the chat room. You know, he might not want to quit his day job, maybe stick to the sprints because I don't know uh, how you squeeze him into the mix. Maybe you stash him on the practice squad and he can develop 
develop into that Marquise Goodwin kind of uh, uh, threat that, you know, for the 49ers with that track speed, I think it's to be determined. But as of today, I think it is Brown, uh, uh, Watkins, Pascal, of, of course, Devonta Smith. And if I had to pick the fifth guy, I think it's Jalen Rager based on status. Do they do they carry six receivers? That's another question. Yeah, they might uh, because someone has to return punts. And of the five that you just laid out there, Rager would be that guy. But he wasn't great at it last year. He had a, uh, I think he broke one all year long. Um, but somebody's got to return. And if it's Kobe or an Allen. See, here's the thing about Allen. I think they're going to get Kobe through to the practice squad, and that'll give him a chance to uh, just slow walk into the National Football League rather than be put under uh, major pressure week one when he has to return a punt. Well, then again, pressure. Uh, There's not going to be pressure because it's the Lions, and they're going to beat the snot out of the Lions. We've had a couple of guys on over the last week that have said, be careful week one. I'm saying don't sweat. You're don't. laying the points, it sounds oh, like. Oh, yeah. Look at <laughs> Double-digit win for sure, probably more than two touchdowns. Uh, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves. But I was saying about Kobe, um, I think they'd like to get him onto the practice squad so they could work with him and maybe develop him. He could be a guy, if there's an injury, he could be their returner in the second half and or uh, maybe better next year. If Allen shows you something, though, in preseason, if he puts a big return on tape, I don't think you'd get him through waivers. I think there'd be a team that would pick him off. If you try to get him to your practice squad as well, he might be the kind of guy who another team would grab and put on their roster. So I think he's actually a tougher read. I I don't think he's going to be on the practice squad. I think he's either going to be here and on the 53-man roster or he's going to be on somebody else's roster because I think someone will claim him if they try and get him through the waivers. You know, there's the old adage in the NFL, you can't teach speed. Teams are always enormed with it. I remember uh, Victor Cruz was a no-nothing nobody uh, coming out of UMass, and he didn't do anything for the first three preseason games or so. I think he had two kick returns uh, against the Jets there, and, and Rex Ryan, you know, went up to Coughlin and said, who the heck is that guy? And and the rest is history, and that's how he made the roster. I would not put it past <laughs> Devon Island to, to do something of that nature because he does have that rarefied speed. And when you're talking about speed in the NFL and you've got two players side by side, nine times out of 10, uh, the NFL team is going to go with the speed. So I think that's what boasts well for him. I think he's got to take advantage and capitalize on those returns. Even if they are five yards in the end zone, Nealon ain't going to get you on the roster. So that'll be something worth monitoring during the preseason. And the Eagles coaches will advise him how he's supposed to handle a kick five yards into the end zone. But you're right. If he's left to his own devices, taking a knee is not going to help you make the team. All right. So Ricky's giving, giving you a good read on how he sees the Eagles wide receivers. When we come back, we'll go through the entire team. Uh, everybody this time. And as I mentioned, Johnny Mack has uh, certainly broken down for us here on Bird 365. And uh, for you to see on jacobsports.com. Uh, Ricky has worked up his best guess scenario for the 53 as of right now. And this is, yes, weeks out, no preseason. Before the season kicks off, we give him and John and everybody else the right to update and or change their 53. Uh, but Rick Saratella will join us, uh, rejoin us next to come back and give us his look at the 53-man roster as the Eagle season gets underway. Appreciate you tuning in here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze 
and the Oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Get a listen to what uh, Coach Nick Sirianni has to say before they get their first practice underway and then get an actual chance to uh, watch it with fellow Eagles beat writers. So that's why Johnny Mack is out. That's why Rick Saratella is in. Uh, Ricky, tell the folks uh, what contribution you're going to be making to uh, Jacob YouTube channel this year. Going to be uh, doing a show for us. Give us the details on how that's going to go. Hey, uh, yeah, so... My audio is breaking up, but I think we're talking about some 53-man roster stuff that I've been putting together and looking at the Eagles roster here. And, um, you know, we mentioned – we mentioned. All right, is uh, Ricky breaking up on us or um, uh, I breaking up? I can't 
uh, tell sometimes when we have these audio issues, I don't know if it's me or I don't know if it's uh, whoever is on the other end with us. Uh, I saw Rick's smiling face. His audio was looking good, but his feed was not. Uh, so we're trying to uh, reestablish with uh, Rick here. He's going to give you his take on the uh, 53-man roster when we do get him back up here. Uh, and I'll be interested to see what he says about a couple of different positions because um, not only are we looking to – all right, we got you back there, Saratella. You there? I think so. We're working through it over here at the Jersey Shore. Can you guys hear me now? We got you good. Um, before you get into the 53, and we will break down your uh, rankings of the Eagles roster as of right now, I did try and set you up to be able to uh, give us a little details on the show you're going to be doing here on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, uh, we're launching August 29th with the new show. Joe, uh, the football playbook, I think it's going to be called. And oh, I think we're having issues with Ricky's audio again. Uh, I, 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 when this happens to me, I always, I never end up smiling. Saratella looks good uh, when he uh, freezes up on us. He is almost always smiling. I never get that look when it happens to me when I freeze up. Uh, so, uh, all right, we're going to give another shot here. Rick, tell us uh, the details of the show you got coming up this year on Jacob's uh, Jacob Media YouTube channel. Yeah, we're we're gonna uh, we're gonna launch the football playbook on August 29th for those. Uh, who have watched, you know, the the state of football last year. We were on the air bringing you kind of inside the league with a, a lot of um, industry folks, a lot of special guests. We're going to obviously have a big focus and eye on the Eagles. So I'm looking forward to that. No, uh... oh, I think Ricky's freezing up again. Uh, we're having... Some kind of issue with uh, Ricky Saratella's connection. Uh, you got to be able to hear him to be uh, a worthwhile uh, contributor to the show. We can't uh, have uh, a sentence at a time and then uh, Rick go freezing up on us. So we'll uh, work on uh, getting that tightened up here. Um, one of the positions I do want to talk to Rick about is actually a couple of the positions because I do think they're legitimate training camp battles how can you actually have a battle if you're not going to have any significant hitting going on in preaching? I, uh, it still boggles my mind. I understand the Eagles are doing it like a lot of other National Football League teams where less is more and uh, they don't want to risk injury. But I think that it's a good debatable question as to who are the two best Eagle safeties. Um, you've got Harris returning. You've got... Uh, Epsi returning, and they brought in Jaquiski Tart from San Francisco, who is uh, the most experienced uh, and a guy who has gone deeper into the playoffs than either of the two uh, present Eagles starting safeties. Um, who's going to get the majority of the snaps? Is it going to be an even breakout three-man rotation between these guys? Um, or is there going to be two guys who are going to play more and the other guy is going to be either injury protection and or maybe there's a specific down and distance where they think that safety would thrive? Yeah, I don't know. And I want to get a firsthand look at it. And I don't know how or where we're going to be able to get a firsthand look at it. The Eagles will practice and we'll see exactly how much time they put in 
Do you judge the drills that they're going against the Eagle wide receivers? Uh, the defensive coaches certainly will be able to watch every single step and every single position. Um, but the Eagles aren't going to do as much as uh, has been done in uh, training camps in previous years. I really, uh, I'd love to be able to tell you, and I could tell you, I will tell you how I would rank them and how I think it's going to play out, but I can't do it with any conviction and tell you, oh, this will be determined because the Eagles will be able to, be able to see X, Y, and Z. I don't know if they're going to get the chance to see X, Y, and Z. It'll be interesting when the Eagles play their three preseason games as to how much those safeties get a chance to be on the field. Are they going to give some of their young guys, certainly in the second half of the game, uh, they'll give uh, their young guys a chance, their D-backs. They've got a lot more corners on the roster than they do safeties right now. Um, but is there a safety that's like Kayvon Wallace going to be able to step in and 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 contribute? Uh, you know the Eagles would be rooting for that, even though they've uh, got Epps and Harrison and Tart. If Wallace comes in and outperforms them, oh, they're going to lean toward a draft pick. Because number one, he's uh, in, more inexpensive than the other guys, and he's got another year to go in his contract. So yeah, that's a guy they're going to be rooting for. But how do you go about uh, even determining that he is playing better than his fellow safety mates? Uh, I guess you're going to break down all the film from the preseason games and remember this. And Ricky, if we get him punched back up here, might not know it as uh, uh, much as we know it here on Birds 365. Uh, off last year, Sirianni's first year, they put a major emphasis on the joint practices. Uh, the Eagles were, quote-unquote, 4-0 and in the uh, joint practices last year. This year, they're going to be in Cleveland for a couple of practices prior to the preseason game against the Browns, and then in Miami against the Dolphins for a couple of joint practices before they finish out the preseason uh, against the Dolphins. Yeah, those were important practices in determining who were going to be the guys. Now there weren't as there weren't all that many battles, positional battles last year. It's kind of the same. There aren't that many this year. Some teams have many more than the Eagles do as far as positional battles go. But um, I, I'm just not even 100 percent sure that they're going to have enough time to make the right decision on who's going to be the two starting linebackers, who's going to be the two starting safeties. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out, but I do have uh, my own questions about how the Eagles are going to go about it. Not that the coaches aren't good enough, observant enough, smart enough, put them through their paces to be able to make that call, but can they do it within the constraints that the organization is going to put on because they don't want to risk injury? So uh, I'm actually glad that the Eagles don't have as many positional battles um, as some other teams around the National Football League do. Um, Ricky gave us a half a take, and we hope to get him punched back up here so he can finish it on Jalen Rager. That's another major question. And again, can you really determine that? Should Jalen Rager be on this team? Will they be able to get Jalen Rager uh, into the mix? Does he deserve a roster spot off what he does in practice? Um, are they going to give him enough chance to show that he can do what he needs to be done to be a uh, guy who merits a spot on the team this year? 
Um, all right. So it looks like we got Ricky uh, back. Hopefully the uh, feed stays together. Rick, I was talking about Jalen Rager uh, before we uh, punched you back up again. Um, John and I kick it back and forth a lot about how uh, does Rager get to make the team just because he was a draft pick and because that was uh, something that Howie Roseman would factor into the mix about the decision. Oh, there goes Ricky again. Uh, we're having major issues with his uh, feed this morning. At least he was up there uh, at the beginning of the show when uh, Johnny was with us. All right, are we going to try it again there? I see him in the green room. Saratella, don't move. It's when you move that the video freezes up. So sit as still as possible. But uh, give me your read on your rate your read on Jalen Rager. Is he the type of guy who will handle this reserve role? He's two years removed from being a first round draft pick. If he's fighting for his life to make the roster, do you think he's got the right attitude to do that? I guess Ricky's not hearing me. Uh, try it again. Are you hearing me, Rick? Sorry, guys. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll try this one more time. Um, Rick, uh, we know that Jalen Rager was taken in the first round of the draft two years ago. The pick before Justin Jefferson, which Howie Roseman has not been able to live down because, yes, Eagle fans and media here in town continue to remind everybody that Jalen, that uh, Justin Jefferson went uh, one pick afterwards. Can Rager, uh, do you think it's within Rager to do what it's going to take to fight and earn a roster spot on this team? How difficult is it going to be for him if that's not the case? All right, Ricky went down again. All right, Tone, so here's what we're going to do. Why don't we take a uh, timeout here? We'll come back uh, during the break. You'll tell me whether we're going to continue to try and punch Rick up or if uh, you're going to join me here on Birds 365, all right? So Johnny Mac here. No Johnny Mac. He's on his way over to the uh, Novacare Complex. Nick Sirianni is going to talk to the assembled media prior to practice, and then the Eagles will actually have their first practice. We'll come back here next on Birds 365. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Here on Bird Street 65 on the Jacobini YouTube channel. Um, feel free to check out Johnny Mac's latest musings at jacobsports.com because uh, John was with us for the first half hour, 35 minutes today, and then he had to hightail it over to the uh, well to uh, Novacare Complex for the Eagles' first media gathering in season. John did a great job, as he always does uh, with all the uh, off-season stuff and the uh, workouts that the Eagles did have. Uh, but now the season gets underway with camp officially opening. So John will be there for us today and then certainly be back here tomorrow. Uh, Rick Saratello is supposed to sit in with us today. Major connection issues. Uh, he kept freezing up on us. So uh, we will get that worked out before Rick's show here on Jacob Media YouTube channel gets underway. I'm assuring you that. Uh, but we decided to uh, forego the continued freeze up for the rest of today's show. So my buddy uh, Tone DeShields, the producer of this show, who will also be contributing to this show going forward. As a matter of fact, he'll be sitting in for me on Friday. I've got to be off on Friday. So uh, Tone will be hosting on uh, Friday. Uh, Tone, I want to get a take from you since we're all sharing our football takes here. I was a little surprised at Johnny Mac's take. All right, Saratella says he's back. Is that the case? I'm I'm back, guys. Back at it again. Optimum, I'm coming after you. <laughs> if we're blaming Optimum, so be it. All right, uh, then uh, I'll ask this question to both of you guys because uh, I was a little surprised by McMullen's answer. Jordan Howard, it's been great in that the Eagles haven't had to sign him this year. They've been able to uh, just let him – sit out there and they can use all 90 of their roster spots. But when another team steps up and uh, decides they're going to bring them in for a workout, well, then the Eagles could lose out. I I, I like the safety net that is Jordan Howard. Um, the Eagles might uh, bungle this if Howard signs with the Saints and the Eagles come up short at the running back position. Do you think they, uh, when they found out that he was getting an official workout, that they put a call into him? I think they should have. How about you guys? Rick, you can start. Yeah, you know, I think that you've got to keep him on the back burner and, and on hold because I like his style. I like what he brings to the table. He can uh, keep it between the tackles. However, you know, we talked about projecting the 53-man roster 
can the Eagles really guarantee him a spot? I mean, he's not taking over for Sanders or Gainwell. I think Boston Scott is a better player at this stage of his career, different type of player. But, I mean, Jordan Howard would be the running back four, maybe five coming into camp. So I think that's why, you know, they're giving guys like Kennedy Brooks and, and uh, Jake Quan Hardy a look. No, well, uh, the Hardy thing they already moved away from. Um, and they carried four running backs all last year. All four of the guys played. So uh, it's not that uh, they went out and signed a replacement, drafted a replacement guy for him. Yes, they signed as an undrafted free agent, Kennedy Brooks, but uh, they they didn't rearrange it. They may uh, have acknowledged in their own mind that they're not sure Jordan Howard can do again this year what he did last year, but they didn't replace him. So why not bring him back and see if he can do the same thing again? I think this is actually a, a potential roster uh, mistake by Howie Roseman going for it. All right, Ricky, as long as you're not frozen up on us. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the 53-man roster. You've worked up your 53. Uh, give us a rundown. We already did the wide receivers. You gave us a breakout there. Let's go to quarterback. Um, we know one and two are going to be Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew. Uh, John mentioned this before uh, he had to run Eagle practice or I think you actually brought it up about the battle for the three position, be it either Carson Strong and or Reed Smed. I'll give you credit, uh, Rick, because you know I follow your um, draft projections and your rankings, which you already have out for the 2023 draft. Um, you stuck behind Carson Strong all year, even though some people had him higher and then had him dropping down because he didn't have as big a season. Some guys uh, – uh, stepped up like a Kenny Pickett had as good a season as he did. You were pretty strong on your uh, Carson Strong opinion all year long. Um, can Reed Stanette actually beat him out? Isn't Carson Strong a lock to be the Eagles' third-string quarterback if he's got no knee issues? Well, you know, when you got the medical concerns and you don't get drafted due to injury, there's no such thing as a lock. But, I mean, if we're just – Took, taking a look at two guys side by side uh, from an arm talent perspective. Yeah, I think Carson Strong is in another kind of uh, category. Now, Reed Sinet, they're both uh, pocket passing types. I've had a chance to hang out with Reed Sinet for a week at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl where he did very well and uh, also spent some time, oh, by the way, behind Tom Brady uh, learning a thing or two in Tampa Bay. So he's a smart kid. Uh, he can make all the throws. Carson. Carson Strong can make throws that Reed Sinet can't. And I think, you know, despite the injury concern with the Carson Strong, there is a small window here. Uh, and Howie Roseman likes to explore quarterback options. We've seen him kind of stockpile these quarterbacks, flip them uh, when they become disposable. And I think Carson Strong, if he does show, prove to be durable and stand up, Hey, maybe come trade deadline, they feel comfortable enough to trade a Gardner Menchu and, and get something in return. I have mentioned the same exact thing that uh, a Gardner deal is not impossible. It's unlikely, but it is not impossible if someone wants to overpay. If somebody has a major injury, Eagle fans remember just a couple of years back when they were able to spin off their uh, supposed starting quarterback and hand the job. To Carson Wentz, the only reason why that happened was because Teddy Bridgewater got uh, injured in uh, Minnesota, and that made Sam uh, Bradford a guy who could be dealt for a higher draft pick than anyone thought was humanly possible. All right, uh, offensive line. How many O-linemen do you think the Eagles will have on their original 53, Rick Saratella? 
Ooh, you know, I think they've got to have at least 10. Uh, we all know who the starters are. I, I think, um, you know, Driscoll and, and Dickerson are two guys, I think, that are going to step up and, and kind of um, play a key role this year. Uh, I think Cam Jurgens is maybe one of the most underrated uh, players that were added to the offseason. I, I, when I see Cam Jurgens out of Nebraska, I saw a guy – that can get down the line and pull as good as any offensive line prospect in this year's draft. And uh, I like his giddy up. He can get to the second level. He, he seeks out contact. Uh, he's a, he's a gritty guy. Cam Jurgens is a guy I think you're going to hear a lot about. And I do think he's the eventual successor to Jason Kelsey. So I have Landon right. Dickerson. I've got Cam Jurgens. I got Kelsey. Uh, Say Omalu, you know, he's coming off that Liz Frank. And I think that could be an issue. I, I think we're maybe underestimating that kind of injury and what Sayamalu will have this season. Now, uh, you know, we mentioned Driscoll, Lane Johnson, obviously, Jordan Mulata, uh, your guy, LaRaven Clark, I think adds a, a veteran presence. And then Andre Dillard, you know, I've heard this nonsense that they should explore trading him. I mean, let me tell you, fellas, uh, offensive linemen are like starting pitching. You never have enough. And, you know, who's talking about uh, Jordan Mulata uh, this time last year being such a, a significant player for the Eagles? And to me, I would stockpile the offensive line more than any other position, which the Eagles have done, because injuries have a funny way uh, of making this thing shake out. So I'm, I'm a big believer in keeping Dillard around. I don't think you would get anything, uh, dr you know, you probably get draft picks. What kind of equity are you getting in return for an offensive lineman? They're just every team can use an offensive lineman. I just don't think anybody wants to give up a first or second round pick for an offensive lineman. Maybe I'm wrong, but if you're just getting a third and a fifth in return, I'd rather have a guy who started a handful of games at at, at one of the most critical positions. All right, you and uh, John are both big uh, Andre Dillard fans. Yours truly, not nearly as the much. I'm a fan of depth. I'm a fan of depth. I, I understand, but I think you got a guy like LaRaven Clark that you could plug in there, and he might be every bit as good as a uh, Andre Dillard. And if you can get draft equity, I do agree with you, and this kind of speaks to the level of player you're trading, you're not going to get a first or second round pick from him. The best you're going to get is a third round pick, and we're only three years removed from him being a first round pick. But uh, that's that's what you have to do when guys don't live up to expectations. They used a first-round pick two years ago on Jalen Raker. They have no prayer of getting a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick. You're, you're talking about a fifth or a sixth or maybe even a seventh, and then you can get in the conditional picks and everything else. It could move them back up. At some point, you just got to go, all right, we missed. And I think they missed a little bit on Andre Dillard. Yes, did he fill in when Mylotta went down last year? They weren't terrible. Yeah, there was a drop-off. You can see he wasn't as good as Mylotta was, but there wasn't an oh-my-God moment last year when they plugged him in to the left tackle. And one of the reasons why I would absolutely think about uh, keeping him available and see what the open market says he's worth in a trade, he's a left tackle only. They moved him over to right tackle in his rookie year, and that was some oh my god moments that did not go well, and he got beaten badly. Uh, and the the Eagles have, uh, ever since their uh, offensive line coach has been here, they have always 
prioritized uh, the ability to play multiple positions, that they try and cross-train these guys at different spots so that if you are hit with a rash of injuries, which you don't want to project or predict, but when it happens, you got to be able to deal with it if you're in a better position to do so because you've got guys who can play multiple positions. The Eagles put a high uh, value on that, and they've never been able to get that out of Dillard. He's a left tackle only. Yeah, Joe, you know, really quick, you guys, not to step on your toes, but I'm, I'm really curious about this, Rick. You know, since you're the draft guy, again, the Eagles are a team that love to cross-train their offensive linemen, like Jody said. You know, you have to be able to do more than one thing in order to last on this roster, in order to show your true value. A guy like Andre Dillard, he's clearly a pure left tackle, and anytime he's trying to do anything else, he's struggled. How is that something that gets past the scouts and the draft evaluation? Because, again, Jeff Stoutland, I'm pretty sure he's someone who's heavily involved in, you know, scouting these guys and analyzing, analyzing these guys and making sure these guys are what they actually need. And, you know, the Eagles are known for being able to find diamonds in the rough at the offensive line position. So why sacrifice such a valuable asset as a first-round pick on a guy that you clearly had to know on some level that he isn't capable of being cross-trained? Like, is there is there anything you know behind the scenes that they, that they, that they were aware of that or maybe they weren't aware of it? Well, I think, you know, come – Coming out of Washington State and that air raid attack, he had athleticism, and I think they were a lot of times playing a two-point stance, and I think that's where things get tricky with, with the evaluation over to the pro side. As you see a guy that's athletic, you figure you can work with him, and I think that's what happened here with, with Dillard. And so, you know, offensive line has become one of those positions that's uh, just like wide receivers in a way where uh, – the, the the simplified offense is at the collegiate level the hurry up and go uh, a lot of times you you don't get to see the technical skill set you just see the athleticism the conditioning and I think that was the appeal there to Dillard and you know the Eagles now uh, made their bed with that one I will say uh, speaking to that versatility though the one guy to keep an eye on here uh, again an undrafted rookie free agent and I love these guys because 27 to 33% of every NFL roster consists of undrafted free agents. And this guy, Josh Sills out of Oklahoma state, keep an eye on this kid. Uh, you want to talk about versatility. He's played all five positions at Oklahoma state and he can play tackle. He can play guard. We had him out at the NFL PA collegiate ball. He even uh, took some reps at center upon scouts request. So I think this is a guy, you know, the Eagles have done a great job uncovering some undrafted free agents. We talked about the, the wide receiver five or six spot. Look at all the talented undrafted free agents that we're talking about. Same thing with the offensive line here. There's a handful of guys. You speak to that position versatility. Josh Sills, man, that's a guy. I, I think he's a lock for the practice squad, and he could be a dark horse candidate for that 53-man roster. And, oh, by the way, he is one of the guys that will play during the preseason because last year we saw that Nick Sirianni gets his regulars. If he puts them out there at all, gets them off the field rather rapidly. So uh, there are some guys that in those three preseason games will get a chance to show their wares, and Sills is probably one of them. All right, Ricky, I want to ask you about um, guys across the National Football League that could have an effect on the Eagles. The first of which, since we were just talking about Dillard, is Orlando Brown. Uh, Chiefs threw the franchise tag on him. He wasn't happy about it. He hasn't signed it yet. He hasn't shown up to camp. 
He hasn't committed to when he will show up to camp. If he wants to get paid, at some point he's got to sign the tender and then he's got to show up. But he doesn't have to show up until he signs because you can't find a guy who's not under contract. And he can't move. He can't go to another team. He can't be a free agent. But he's also not being paid just yet, so he doesn't have to worry about it. Um, don't know how that's going to shake out in Kansas City. It seems that when Andy Reid has been asked about it, he still has faith that Brown's going to come in. But until he's in, he's not in. Do you think the Chiefs would have interest in a guy like Andre Dillard? We know Andy has a good relationship with the Eagles organization and Howie Roseman. Do you think Dillard landing in KC is a possibility for Orlando Brown's going to play as much hardball as he is to this point? Yeah, and I, I believe he, they he, they did offer him a long-term contract, which he turned down. That would have made him close to the highest-paid tackle in the league, which was pretty astonishing that he would turn that money down. So I think that you mentioned the Andy Reid relationship. Is it, is it a possibility? I think there might be some dialogue there. I think the other kind of X factor hanging out is Dwayne Brown, I think, is still on the open market. And he started – you know, a bunch of games in the, in the league at tackle position, and you don't have to give up anything uh, to get him except for, uh, you know, money. And so, you know, Dwayne Brown could could kind of be that guy. Now, if the if the Eagles were to flip a Dillard and, and had an injury in training camp, Dwayne Brown would be another guy to keep an eye on for the Eagles if they got into a situation. But I think the Chiefs did a great job kind of remaking that offensive line on the fly last season. And now, you know, this is what happens when you have $40 million quarterbacks is, you know, how do you keep the rest of the guys happy? All right. The other guy who has, to this point, refused to sign his uh, free agent tender, uh, the tag that was placed on him is Jesse Bates of Cincinnati. And, of course, people here in Philadelphia want to see Jesse Bates come here to the Eagles because – Yes, uh, realistic evaluation of the Eagles position by position tells you that safety is the one that they didn't upgrade uh, near as much as other positions that needed upgrading on Eagles during the offseason. Uh, he's a tough guy to trade because the number is over $12 million. And once you get past a certain date, you can't negotiate a new contract going forward. He has to play for just the one year guaranteed you can't restructure and or squeeze the cap together to give yourself flexibility jesse bates going to be traded anywhere before the start of the season could it be to philadelphia or do you think jesse bates will be sitting home if the uh if he decides that he's not happy with the fact that he's on this restrictive contract do you think bengals play hardball with him oh you know i'm so conflicted on, on this one jody because I go back and forth and, and to me, you know, I think everybody views the Eagles as a contender for the playoffs. I don't hear anybody talking about them as a contender for the Super Bowl, though. Now, does Jesse Bates, if you take Jesse Bates and put him in that safety spot, does that take the Eagles defense from a very good defense to an elite defense? If the Eagles internally believe that, I think you pull the trigger because I got news for you. We mentioned $40 million quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is coming up here. And the offseason, not only we talked about the, the coaching continuity might be disrupted, you're going to have a lot of different faces on this squad. And there's not going to be a Jason Kelsey. There's probably not going to be a Fletcher Cox. There might not be a Jonathan Gannon. Uh, so why not make a run? To me, I think you have a very small window 
on this Jalen Hurts rookie contract. We don't know how he's going to progress. Maybe he takes a step up that nobody even foreseen coming. And if he does, to me, then yes, the Eagles are a Super Bowl contender. Now, do they believe that? Do they think Jesse Bates is the X factor that can put that defense over the top? If the answer is yes, I think you got to go out and make a play. I think this is a run for the Eagles as good as it's going to get underneath that Jalen Hurts rookie contract. This team might be the best team they put around them on that deal. All right. So uh, what it comes down to, Ricky, and I got to get your take on this. What do you think Jesse Bates brings back if he's put onto the open market as a trade candidate? Cincinnati decides, all right, yeah, he's going to stay home. And he's going to pass. And it's not going to do us any good. We're going to be a lesser team. Yeah, we don't have to pay him the money. It was also, and I think the Bengals from time to time are motivated by how much money they're not giving out. But they just went to the Super Bowl. So it's not going to go over well with their fan base if they decide he's not kidding. He's not coming in. We have to make the best trade we can possibly make. What do you think the price tag is for Jesse Bates? Well, I think the Bengals are looking down the road here, too, because they're going to have to make a decision on Burrow after this year. And I think Joe Burrow is going to be the first $50 million quarterback. And that's where we're trending in the quarterback market. So I think the Bengals are. Rodgers is 50 already. Is he already 50? Yeah. There you go. Well, I think Joe Burrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think Joe Burrow is going to be next to join Rodgers in that company. And when you when you're paying a quarterback that much, again, there's not going to be room for a Jesse Bates. So, hey, I think I think obviously a first round gets it done, but maybe a second round pick and a conditional pick based on, you know, incentives uh, gets that deal done. Avery, quick question. You bring up a very interesting point, not just about Jesse Bates contract, but you broached Joe Burrow's contract. And I don't want to bear too far off from you guys path, but I'm really curious about this. The Cincinnati Bengals have historically been known as being one of the more, and I'll put it gently, frugal franchises. (laughs) And I have to ask, they have a lot of talent on that team, most notably on the offense. You have Joe Burrow, you have Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins. uh, You have uh, Boyd, right? A Mixon. I'm not sure if Mixon has his money already, but for example, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, those two guys in particular, and then T. Higgins, he was a rookie last year. He's a, um, I think he's entering his third season now, but those guys are going to be coming up on contracts and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have to make a decision. Do you honestly believe Joe Burrow or Jamar Chase or any one of those elite guys on their offense actually finishes their career in Cincinnati, knowing how Cincinnati does business? You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I I do think that Burrow-Chase relationship is is what got Chase to Cincinnati because they were talking about Chase or Pitts. And I think that Burrow connection uh, made them lean towards Chase. And, you know, it's crazy to fathom how you don't let those guys finish in Cincinnati. But here we are with A.J. Brown on the Eagles. Who would have ever thought he would leave the Titans, right? And so – so when you're talking Cincinnati Bengals and, and giving those pay, big paydays to the quarterbacks, hey, it's going to be tough to keep them all at home. I don't know if they keep Higgins in the fold because at the end of the day, there's just not going to be enough to go around. And that's why you see Jesse Bates in the situation he is because let's remember too, the safety position has been devalued. I mean, who wants to give a safety $15 million a year? year not too many teams out there that want to do it now with that being said 
the Jets were able to parlay uh, Jamal Adams into two first round picks, I believe. Now, is Jesse Bates on that same level? I, I would probably argue that he's not. But Jamal Adams really wasn't what the Seahawks thought they were getting when he came to Seattle. So uh, we go back to what does he get on the open market? I think a first round gets it done, uh, second round maybe. And, you know, to the Cincinnati Bengals point, it's going to be tough sledding to keep all those guys around to, to finish up their careers in Cincinnati, unfortunately. All right, Rick Saratella in for John McMullen today with the Seattle Birds 365. All right, I want to jump back into your as-of-now projection of the Eagles' 53-man rosters. We talked about the quarterbacks. We talked about the wide receivers. Tight end, we know Dallas Goddard is their starter and is going to be on the field almost – Every single snap that the Eagles take this year, health allowing. But who is going to be that tight end to? There's two questions for me. Number one is, if Goddard goes down, who steps in to try and play Goddard's role as best he can? And when Goddard is healthy, when the Eagles do want to go to 12 personnel, go to tight end, who's going to be in there with them? How do you look at the other Eagle tight ends on this roster and how many of them will be kept on the 53? That's a great question. You know, to me today, as we as we sit here, Richard Rodgers would be the guy I think that is the most reliable. They, you know, he's played a bunch of games in the league. Uh, we all remember that Rodgers to Rodgers, Hail Mary connection. And so he's got a little uh, pass catching repertoire to his game. And I, I think Richard Rodgers is the guy as we stand here today. I know Jack Stoll has kind of flashed uh, a little bit uh, last season. Um, but to me, Grant Calcaterra, that's the guy that I keep coming back to because he did play in that high-octane SMU, Oklahoma style of, uh, of offense where he was relied upon as a pass catcher. He's, again, you know, you want to play 12 personnel with with Goder and and, and uh, Calcaterra. They're both six foot four, six foot five. You get the you get that twelve personnel package inside the red zone, that's going to be a problem for opponents. So again, we go back to the durability though. Calcaterra is one hit away from ending his career, and so what happens then? I I, I think to me, it's going to be Goder, it's going to be Rogers, it's going to be Calcaterra, and those are the three locks. Do they do they carry a fourth tight end? I probably don't see it. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. I mean, what's his development going to look like? Uh, he, and, and Tyree Jackson, the quarterback out of Buffalo, you got two conversion type of players that, you know, I, I could see them maybe keeping one of those guys on the practice squad, depending on their development to see. Uh, we, we've seen some some tight ends now. Logan Thomas is a guy that comes to mind. Ty, Tyree Jackson, very similar skill set. And they've got flexibility with Jackson because he's going to start the year on the pup list. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. So they can uh, leave him there and continue to evaluate him. So in the meantime, they need somebody else taught. Uh, uh, Rich Rod is a guy who I always argue for. I say, all he does is make plays. I know he's not a great blocking tight end, but he's made plays before, and they kept him on the 90 all year. I thought he would be a guy that they'd handle like Jordan Howard. Yeah, we can just cut him, and when we need him, we can bring him back because he likes being here. I know they kept him on the 90, so um, I, I think you need to read into that a little bit. All right, yeah, flipping to the other side of the ball. you guys a question, Jody. Can I ask you a question really quickly? And Rick as well, you guys chime in. What is it about the tight end position that everyone just thinks they can play it? 
<laughs> you have guys like JJ Tigger Whiteside who transitioned to tight end. Um, Tyree Jackson was a former quarterback, became a tight end. Uh, Tim Tebow, we all know that experiment um, came and went. But it seems like when, when all else fails, when all else fails for guys, they try to resort to that tight end position. You know, has the, is, has the tight end position, what is it about that position? Like, do people just not respect it on the same level as other positions? I know the tight end position now in the NFL was so valuable. These guys are pretty much glorified wide receivers. So why is it that way all else fails for these guys? Why do they resort to the tight end position? What is it about it? Well, I, I think what you're trying to do is sometimes you get really good college players that don't really have a position at the NFL. And, and I think, you know, Darren Waller is a guy that maybe uh, accelerated this trend because Waller was a wide receiver coming out and they put him in to the tight end position and suddenly, boom, his game takes off. And I think, you know, with Tyree Jackson, he was a guy that ran – I mean, he tested through the roof. If you look at his measurables, uh, he had a, a vertical jump, I think, 35-inch, very fast 40-yard dash time, uh, very uh, comparable to wide receivers. And so, you know, I think it's it's a easier position to transition to than a wide receiver. And if you have that big body frame and athleticism, why not give it a shot? And also, you know, maybe Whiteside is a guy that's too slow – to play wide receiver. So let's try him uh, in, the, in the slot. Let's try him uh, in a mismatch situation against the linebacker. Can he win those, take advantage of those mismatches? And I think that's what the NFL has really become is, is specialty roles. You talk about Jordan Howard. It's like, okay, well, he's more of a luxury than a necessity because he's really uh, more of that between the tackles or short yardage type of back. Can you afford to spare a 53 man roster spot on a player that maybe might not play a uh, special team. So I think, you know, that's, that's kind of what you're trying to find lightning in a bottle. I think with some of these guys, a Tyree Jag, you know, Logan Thomas got a shot to play quarterback, couldn't hack it, but he had so much athleticism. Why, why don't we try to use and implement his skill set in some way, shape or form? Tony, you're right. There is a position to see. You do see guys from time to time look to make that switch. Uh, either it probably because it's one of those middle positions. You can either get an offensive lineman who comes out of high school as an offensive lineman, maybe starts that way in college. And guess what? I can actually lose 20 pounds easier than I can gain 20 pounds. And I am pretty athletic. <laughs> so maybe it can make me into a tight end or you get a wide receiver who starts to get a little too big and they go, listen, you're just not quick enough. You're not going to be able to, Run a four three forty. We need to bulk you up and make you a tight end. It's that middle position, and it's all dictated by body types. Uh, that's why I think you see it as often as you do. It's a good point out of you. All right, uh, Ricky, I need your take on the Eagles linebacker position. Um, I'm a big Nicobe Dean fan. If I remember correctly, uh, talking uh, draft with you leading up to it last year, uh, you were pretty big on Nicobe Dean as well. We know he dropped in the draft because of injury question marks. He didn't uh, do the full-blown athletic workout at the uh, Combine, so some people question, is he athletic enough? He looked damn athletic to me when he was on the field with Georgia last year, making the most plays as any linebacker did in the entire country. I think the Eagles got a gift with him still being there when they pick in the third round. I'm bullish on what he can do in year one. Johnny Mack thinks there will be growing pains. Thinks he's going to be a real good player, but maybe not right off the bat. 
that they went out and signed Khalil Mack and also have Edwards, who they got his contract done before the season ever started, in acknowledging the fact that he stepped in and played some really good middle linebacker for them this year. Uh, we know all three of those guys are going to be on the team, so not as much a 53-man roster question as a question of how much are they going to play. Uh, do you think it's going to be a slow roll for Nicobe Dean, that he's going to have to earn his way onto the field? Do you think that he can grab a starting position before the season ever starts? How do you see linebacker playing out for the Eagles? I, I think that's going to be a storyline to monitor throughout the preseason because, to me, Nicobe Dean, from a talent perspective, it was a great value. I, th- I think we had him number one on our big board uh, as the top, you know, inside linebacker in the draft. So when you have that kind of talent, when you played big time football on a national stage and done what he's done at Georgia, I wouldn't discount him. Uh, I know they gave Kaiser white a lot of money and he's going to probably start alongside Reddick. I think uh, TJ Edwards is probably the guy right now that I would put as the favorite to start. But I think if N'Kobe Dean comes in here and, and plays good ball, it's going to be hard to keep him on the sideline. And, uh, you know, if I was a betting man, uh, shout out to the Ocean Casino, I, w- I would bet money on N'Kobe Dean starting week one because I believe in the player, I believe in the man, I believe in the talent, and I think he's going to have a really strong preseason. All right, uh, and how about the safety position, Ricky? Um, I think I was talking about this uh, when your feed went down. So, um They've got uh, returning uh, apps who they like a lot. Uh, John is pretty outspoken that, uh, and sometimes he gets information from coaches that is on the record, off the record. He's never come out and said, the coach told me, but read between the lines. Uh, They seem to like Marcus Epps a lot. They bring uh, Harris back. They signed Jaquiski Tart. All these guys are competent safeties. None of these guys are playmaking safeties. They look pretty similar to me. Yeah, some are better at one aspect than the other, but none of them stand out in that group of three. We know they're all going to be on the team. They're all going to play. How do you think they determine who plays when? Well, I think Harris and Epps are, are the clear leaders. Of the I know Epps, I think he averaged about 31 snaps a game last year, and I could see that uh, snap count doubling. Uh, so I, I think – Jaquiski Tart is really a mystery at this point. I think you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And I think there's a lot of possibilities with Tart. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he winded up coming out and, and playing well and winning the starting job. It wouldn't mind, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, he was a shell of himself and winds up uh getting cut, you know, because Kayvon Wallace is still on the roster. Uh Reed Blankenship is a guy out of middle Tennessee. I remember. This is a four-year starter, three-time team captain. I remember the same coach who told me about Kevin Bayard coming out of Middle Tennessee. He hit me up about Reed Blankenship maybe about a sophomore season. He said, hey, coach, I got a player for you. And he's further along than Kevin Bayard at this stage of his career. And so Blankenship then ran into some injury woes later on in his career, didn't necessarily have – the, the senior campaign that draft analysts projected. But I think, you know, you've got a dark horse candidate there that that might sneak up on some people and, and win a, star, a, a roster spot there. We'll have to keep our eye on Reed Blankenship. All right, uh, let's take our final time out of the day. I know what I want to talk about with Rick when we come back. Uh, I've known Ricky as Mr. NFL Draft Bible for the better part of a decade now. And when I get Ricky up, I almost always talk exclusively draft with him. 
So if we have him here, we got to talk draft with him, right? Uh, yeah, I want to get his early before they ever get the campus rankings of the quarterbacks who will be available in this upcoming draft because, yeah, we don't know that Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback of the Eagles Ooh. past 2022. So when we come back, we'll get Ricky's rankings of the quarterbacks who will be in the 2023 draft. Coming up next here on Birds 365. Let's do it. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. guys streaming in today here on first 365 yes the first day of eagles actual practice at the novacare complex john mcmahon our own johnny mac is there right now and sirianni as a matter of fact may be speaking right now because the practice was supposed to get is supposed to get underway at 10 o'clock uh so sirianni is probably talking to the assembled media as we speak john will certainly be back here tomorrow to uh give us his take 
on what the coach had to say. And I believe Howie Roseman might speak today as well. So we'll have plenty to chop up for you tomorrow. Last 10 minutes here today, I want to chop up quarterbacks with Rick Saratella, our buddy from the NFL Draft Bible, and we'll be doing a show here on uh, Birds 365 this football season. I We know last year, Rick, the Eagles went into the draft with three first-round draft picks. They wisely, if not predictably, traded one future draft uh, down the road for a future draft pick next year. So they have the Saints' number one draft pick. So they got two again going in next year. They had two this year. We'll have two again uh, next year. They uh, at least arguably did so because they want to have some ammunition if they need to reestablish their quarterback position. If Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, uh, multiple draft picks make it easier to move up if there is a specific guy you want to target. This past year, you had one quarterback, Kenny Pickett, go in the first round, and another one didn't go till the third round. Uh, you and I said it many times on all the spots we did on my various broadcast outlets. It wasn't a good quarterback draft, no. and it certainly played out that way in the draft. Before we start to name names, how good an overall quarterback draft do you think it's going to be if the Eagles need to get into the quarterback market again? Are they buying into a good market? Yeah, I think it's kind of a bounce back year for quarterbacks. I I, I see three or maybe four legitimate uh, bona fide first round prospects and uh, it doesn't always play out that way. We still got a season. Right. Um, but you know, for, for the overall perspective, I think it's looking like a, a really solid quarterback class. And of course there's going to be guys that come out of nowhere and uh, shoot up the draft board as well. But yeah, there's, there's about three or four pretty solid first round guys going into the season. Yeah. This time last year, Rick Saratella didn't have Kenny Pickett as a first-round draft pick. Jody McDonald had it, didn't have Kenny Pickett as a first-round draft pick. So you got to let the season play out. But we all want to know and project and guess ahead of time, like a year before, Zach Wilson. I still don't know if Zach Wilson's a first-round draft I know he was picked number two overall in the draft, but yeah. we haven't figured out if he was meritorious of that pick just yet. So, yes, uh, good uh, qualifier there. I will give you that one. Uh, you need to actually let the the year before that. Joe Burrow wasn't anywhere near a first round draft pick. He ended up going number one overall. So yes, you need to lead this, uh, let the season play out. But as of right now, who are those three, four, or five guys? And in what order would you put them right now as quarterbacks who are going to be in the twenty twenty three draft? Yeah, and I think you know what makes the Eagles look at a quarterback is if they fail to make the playoffs. And if Jalen hurts makes the playoffs again, it's kind of hard to be looking for a replacement. If he takes it to the playoffs two years in a row, but let's play devil's advocate. Let's say the birds miss out and, and they're in the QB market. I, I'm going to start with Bryce young uh, from Alabama. I know some people like CJ Stroud from Ohio state. We could talk about that Buckeyes quarterback bias. And when the last Ohio state quarterback came out that, that actually, uh, did well but oh don't go there Sheraton. you're better than that you know, <laughs> yeah, you know what i say that. you know what i'm gonna say we talked about that you know we've what i'm gonna say that. if you go there when was the last good lsu quarterback uh before joe burrow yeah well yeah, yeah go back to uh burt jones in the 70s <laughs> yeah. 40 years oh shoot at least cincinnati was smart enough not to go oh shoot we're not going to take an lsu quarterback because nobody's ever a good quarterback coming out of lsu 
except Burrow is, and he got him to the Super Bowl in their second year. So uh, please don't do that to me. And, and say, oh, you can't take an Ohio State guy because Ohio State guys don't make it. Well, technically, he was an Ohio State guy too, right? <laughs> Burrow was too, yes. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> one way or the other, Joe Burrow is disproving a theory. Thank you very much, Matt. Yeah. All right, so Stroud or, or Young, they're the top two, right? And then yeah. there's a drop-off after those two in your estimation? Well, I think I think those two guys have proven to play at an elite level at on the biggest stages. Uh, Stroud comes in at a, a about six foot two, I think, by my uh, measurements that we have on file, and and Young is about six foot, maybe six one. I will say this about Young though, because you know throughout the years I've had the privilege to to be around a lot of these quarterbacks that do come out and. Uh, I've attended the Heisman Trophy. I had a chance to spend time with Bryce Young and talk to him for about 20 minutes at the Maxwell Club this past year. And um, his his maturity level was very, very impressive to me. And he's very understated. He's not like a Kyler Murray uh, who has this presence when he walks into a room. He's not like a uh, Dwayne Haskins, God bless his soul, who kind of uh, wanted to tell you how good he was. Uh, every Every question almost was deflected to a teammate, deflected to one of his receivers, deflected to the offensive line. Talk about a guy who just doesn't take any credit. And and that really, I think, goes a long ways. And we talk about a Kyler Murray. The Cardinals gave him all that money. The guy, he doesn't study the playbook. Well, to me, that makes Jalen Hurts a better quarterback for me and my team and, and somebody that I want to work with because I know he's committed to the game. And so Bryce Young is a guy who's committed to the game. I love his, I love his demeanor. I love where his head is. I love his play. We've seen Alabama quarterbacks look at what Mac Jones is doing. So uh, Bryce Young can be that good. CJ Stroud is, I, I think a notch below in my book right now, but again, that could change. And then you get into, you know, who are some of the risers that could sneak up Anthony Richardson from Florida is a guy that's getting all this uh, preseason hype really doesn't have a ton of playing experience, but if you're, if you're looking for that guy who maybe isn't highly talked about as much as Stroud or young, I think Anthony Richardson from Florida is a guy, Tyler Van Dyke right there in Miami in the same state of Florida is being talked about. Uh, now he, he played very strong down the stretch of the season, maybe as good as any quarterback in the nation. And then I th I'll throw this guy. I think that's kind of in the equation and, and, and is going to factor into the first round is this Will Levis. And he's over there at Kentucky. His offensive coordinator, Liam Cohen, is a Sean McVay disciple. And so they're running that uh, high-octane Ram style of offense. And Will Levis is doing it at uh, a very uh, efficient level. He's, a, he's about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and he's going to be a strange bird now, Jody. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any, any of the Will Levis YouTube videos, but this guy's out here. He's eating oranges with the peel on it. He's putting mayonnaise in his coffee. Uh, you know, he does some weird stuff now that Will Levis. Sounds like the Eagles backup quarterback who's selling off his minivan that he's been living in for the last year. We've got a uh, different guy in Gardner Minshew, so maybe Will Levis and Gardner Minshew could combine to become the craziest combination of quarterbacks ever, if that's the way it shakes out. All right, two guys I want to ask you about before we uh, put a bow on the show, uh, quarterbacks who are draft eligible this year. How about the Tanner McKee kid from Stanford? 
I've talked to some people that like his game. Um, yeah, he's a little bit older because he went on a mission, so he's not as young as some of the other guys, but they expect him to have a big year at Stanford. Um, uh, pretty good young quarterback prospect. Uh, if you don't think he's a uh, first-rounder, where do you think he does go? Yeah, what Tanner kind of McKee a... uh, from Stanford. Uh, Pocket-passing type, very cerebral, obviously playing there at Stanford. Can make all the throws. Has shown flashes when he's been healthy. I think that's kind of been the knock on Tanner McKee is he's really never proven to uh, be healthy for a long stretch. And that really is going to dictate, I think, his draft stock. If he can put it all together and the light goes on and he's consistent and he he lasts the entire season and Stanford has a good year, well, you know, he, he could maybe uh, be one of those dark horse candidates that sneak up there. No, as Ricky's uh, freezing up there on us. So at least he did get the Tanner McKee issue in. Ricky, if you're hearing me, thank you very much. We're basically out of time anyway, so we won't uh, need to fight through uh, your potential video freezing up. Um, Ricky, I believe, is going to be back with us on uh, Friday. I think Friday, uh, Johnny Mack will be in in a guest spot. Yours truly, I'm off on Friday. So, uh, uh, we'll get uh, Rick back involved in some way, shape, or form, and a good job by Tone, both jumping in and giving us a hand here today, and he will be hosting on Friday when uh, yours truly is out. So uh, my thanks to Rick Saratella, did an outstanding job filling in for John McMullen, Johnny Mack getting his Eagles insights as we speak. He'll be back here with me tomorrow. We got the Thursday edition, and then the Friday edition, Ricky will be back, and uh, Tone will be hosting uh, we will come right back here on Bird Street 65. It'll be the Mac and Mac guys tomorrow in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. 
So go to trylifemd.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.